the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Once we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that's when God reveals our true purpose. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Okay, so here we are today again here at Core Truth Radio. This is part two of a message that we started yesterday. And we're talking about walking with the Lord. You know, the word walk means to live and behave. And so in the midst of this one verse, we are to walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls us. So we are to live, we are to behave in a manner worthy of the God who calls us. So look, when we come to know Christ as our Savior, and He forgives us of our sin, and we think, okay, I'm a Christian now, that's it. No, that's not it. That's just the beginning of starting now to walk with the Lord, to live and behave in a manner worthy of the Lord. And again, it's not about our good works, you know, about just trying to produce good works for good work's sake. It's about changing our lifestyle. So does this mean that we can still live in sin since we're saved by grace? Because some people say, well, we're saved by grace, right? Not by works. Yes. So can I just still live in sin since grace will abound? Well, absolutely not. I like the way that the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 6, 1. He said, says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? He says, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in sin? See, before we came to Christ, we were really just trapped as slaves to sin. You might say, well, I'm not a slave of anything. Well, you were a slave to sin. I mean, you did things and that was it. And you really had no recourse on that. But once we come to Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We've been set free from sin. Meaning, if you're still living in sin and you have a massive sin issue in your life that you're living in, it's not because you can't overcome the sin. It's just because you have not desired to truly overcome that sin. You might say, no, pastor, I've tried. It's like the Bible says no temptations overtaken you than that which is common to all men. But within that temptation, God will give you a way of escape. So God is now saying to you, you don't have to be a slave to that sin. You might still be a slave to the sin, but it's not because you have to be, because God has now given you the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? So now you can break free from that. Yes, we are saved by grace, but we're called now as Christians, we are called to walk in the newness of life that God gave us. Jesus put it this way in John fifteen eight. He says, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. 
Yes, God wants us to bear fruit. Now, what is bearing fruit? It means we're going to live a lifestyle that's well-pleasing to God that other people can see. Like, I used to cuss like a freight train. I used to drink. I used to take drugs. I used to, you know, bong. It's like, but now I'm a Christian. Get rid of the bong. Could you imagine me taking speed? That's a scary thought. Anyway, all of these things, it's like I had to get rid of those things. And people that I grew up around and partied with, they saw me afterwards. It's like, who are you? Like, you're not even the same person anymore. Why? Because I was choosing to live in a manner and walk in a manner that was worthy of the Lord. Yes, God promises to turn no one away when we come to Christ, right? doesn't matter what you're involved with. I was involved with everything, and yet Jesus says, come unto me, you know, and I repented. So he took me just as I was. Yet we must understand, Once we freely come to Christ, once we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that's when God reveals our true purpose. Yes, we have a true purpose. Now, before you came to Christ, no, you're like everyone else. You're going on the highway to hell, as the song would say, you know, because that's where we were going. But now, once we come to Christ, God says, I want to change everything. So if you're a Christian, and you're still living the very same way that you lived before you were a Christian— Something's wrong with that. It's like, see, you came to Christ, but you stopped at that point thinking that was the end. No, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. And that is why we were created. We were created now for good works. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's that word walk again. So notice It says that we are God's workmanship. That's an interesting word there, workmanship. It comes from a Greek word, poema. It's where we get our English word, poem. So what it means is that which is made. So literally, our lives can be a thing that is made, a piece of literary workmanship written by the hand of God. How cool is that? This means that at our conversion to Christianity, when we accepted Jesus into our heart, that's not the end. It's, again, just the beginning. And like, you know, any great artist, God always starts with a clean slate. That's why he completely washed all of our sin away. Okay, so remember when we came to Christ? If anyone, if any man or woman be in Christ, they become a new creature. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. See, so God says, I'll take you just as you were. I don't care what you did. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how much wickedness is your life. I'll take you just as you are. Now that I have you, I'm going to wash you clean. So now, in God's eyes, you're a blank slate. Now God can accomplish the work that he desires in you, the work that he's prepared from the foundation of the world. Yes, God knew you before the world was founded, and he had a purpose for your life. So you could say, oh, pastor, you don't know. My life's all messed up. I'm I'm past any work. I mean, it's like I'm too far gone. You are wrong. You are not too far gone. God can do a great work in you. And what is that? He wants to equip every single one of us for good works. But you might say, well, you know, Pastor, if you knew me, (laughs) I'm a little lacking in the good works department. Well, then take today as the new reminder of what your true calling is. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 2.12 to walk in a manner 
worthy of God. Once we come to know Christ, we are to walk, we are to live, we are to behave in a manner worthy of God. Remember what we were told in Philippians 2.12? It's probably one of the most discouraging verses of the entire Bible. You were like, what? Yes, it's a discouraging verse in the Bible. Let me read it to you. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, listen, if I had to work out my own salvation, it would definitely be with fear and trembling. What am I supposed to do? Pull up my own bootstraps? I mean, am I supposed to just break all my bad habits by myself? Man, if it's up to me, oh, this can be the most miserable day of my life. But then... What happens in the next verse? See, this is why we don't just cherry pick and pull one verse out. We want to read what's before, what's after it. What does he say after that? He says, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's not up to you. It's up to God who's going to will and to work for his good pleasure in your life. But you have to be, and I have to be, a willing recipient of this. So once we come to know Christ, you come just as you are with all your mess ups, all your hands ups, all your bad, you know, bad karma, you know, everything. You just come. But now God wants to work in the will, his good pleasure in your life. Remember, it's him who starts to work in us, and it's him who's going to continue the work, and it's him who's going to finish the work in us, which brings up this other thought learning his word. He goes on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, for this reason, we are constantly thanking God that when you receive the word of God, now you remember, this is a letter written to the Thessalonians, the church at Thessalonica, and so this is to the believers, and we as believers, this is a letter to us, okay? So he says, you accepted the word that we gave you. You accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. Yes, that is a sign of a healthy church. It's when the body of believers embrace not the pastor because what he's telling him, but they embrace, you know, not the pastor that's telling them what they want to hear. See, because there's a lot of pastors that will tell you what you want to hear. Yes, I'm going to be your life coach, and I'm going to tell you every Sunday, you're a champion. You're just the greatest thing that ever happened. You're a bouquet of cherries. You're a bouquet of fresh-cut flowers. No, that's not what God has called us pastors pastors to do. And if you go to a church like that, guess what? That's not what God's called us to do. But rather, a healthy church embraces the truth of God's Word. See, I don't want people to embrace me. I want them to embrace the truth of God's Word that God allows me to teach. It says in Deuteronomy 32, 4, it says that God is a God of truth. See, the very foundation of a true church is built on God and His Word. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, if we're lacking faith, how do we get that faith? By, you know, yeah, positive confession? No. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. First, we must know the Bible is the Word of God. But where did the Bible come from? I mean, come on, like, where did it come from? We're told in 2 Peter 1.20, but know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So the Bible was written by men moved by the Holy Spirit of God. It is inspired by God, or literally, God breathed. Now listen, 
So what was the criteria for the Bible? You might be thinking, well, this is just a book that was written by a bunch of men. Hold on now. There's a massive criteria. Here, How about this? If you take the first five books of the Bible, here's the criteria. You want to hear the criteria? Here it comes. You might be thinking, well, I don't know if I want to hear the criteria. Well, you're going to hear it anyway. Okay, so listen. Okay, keep your eyes on the road if you're driving on the radio here. Okay, I'll do the talking. You do the driving. But listen while you're driving. Okay, so here we are. You have Moses. Moses has spoken more than anybody else in the Bible, except for God himself, of course. He's mentioned like 850 times in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. He's God's man that wrote the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. So this is the same Torah. This is the same law of God that all the Jewish churches have to this day. Okay, so here's the criteria. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. That's the law of God. Now, there's 39 books in the Old Testament. So how did they pick the 34 books that came after those first five books? Well, here's the criteria. Nothing can contradict what Moses said. So if there's anything in this book that contradicts Moses, it's out of here. It's gone. Like, don't even think about it. It's like a feather in a whirlwind, okay? It's gone. So how do we have the 39 books of the Old Testament? These are books that nothing contradicted what Moses wrote. And in 167 BC, the Hebrew scholars, they canonized, they said this is the standard of truth of God's Word. So that's how we have the Old Testament, okay? Now, this is why at Core Church— Los Angeles, we stick with the details here. We speak the truth of God's Word whether you want to hear it or not, because God's Word is what you always need to hear. It's not always what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. So we have the Old Testament. Now, some people say, well, we don't need, you know, the Old Testament anymore. We have the New Testament. Hold on. You can't You can't do that, because the New Testament is nothing if it's not founded on the grounding of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is written by 32 different authors, and most of them didn't know each other, like 98% of them. There was only a couple that maybe knew each other, like Jeff, Jeremiah and Zephaniah, but there was hardly no one that knew each other. And yet the whole thing consistent. Why? Because it's breathed by God. And the Old Testament that we hold in our hands today. You go to the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's the exact same thing. So the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found there in Israel, it's like it's the same thing that we hold in our hands today, again, that was canonized as the standard or truth of God's Word by Hebrew scholars in 167 B.C. Now you get to the New Testament. What's the criteria for that? Well, it's easy. Okay, the 27 books in the New Testament, nothing can contradict Moses or the Old Testament. That's why the New Testament is consistently always quoting the Old Testament. Testament. And as far as the authors, now we have eight authors of the New Testament, and here's the criteria for them. You had better walked with Jesus. Like, if you didn't walk with Jesus, you better get all your information from those who physically walked and talked with Jesus. And that's the criteria for the 27 books of the New Testament. So what we hold in our hands here is very important. If you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know what he feels, if you want to know what God's opinion is on something, you must read the Word of God. And again, that's why Core Church Los Angeles, we base our whole ministry on the truth of God's Word. So if you're not getting that, then I encourage you to check us out at Core Church Los Angeles. Listen, if you're within an hour of us here in L.A., 
why don't you drive? Some people say it's too far. Gas is 60 bucks a gallon. Well, <laughs> it's not that much yet, but it's heading that way. But anyway, this is an investment for your soul. It's worth it to drive, to be fed, and to grow in your relationship with Christ. Listen, if you're on one of our stations back on the East Coast, you know, you can download our app. Or if you're a little farther away, you can download our app here in Southern California. You can tell anyone, all your family members that live in Timbuktu to download our free app. It takes like what? You know, 10 seconds to download it. And there is hundreds of video messages and you can watch us live. And we have three services on Sunday, by the way. Now, these are all Pacific times, 830, 1030 and 1230. So some of you that live a little farther away here in Southern California, come to our 1230 service. You can sleep in, leisurely have a nice breakfast, and then come on to church at our 1230 service. I invite you to come. You can check us out at corechurchla.org or just download our free app. Man, you should share that with everyone anyways. What a great way to share the Word of God. But listen, God wants us to get into His Word, to seek after and find real truth. Remember, it was the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who ruled over Israel in Jesus' time. He wondered and asked Jesus, what is truth? Why did he wonder what real truth was? Because Pontius Pilate personally witnessed all the corruption in the Roman government, just like we see all the corruption in our government here in America, especially now as we see things in our own country spinning out of control, you know, outrageous crime rates, you know, inflation going out of control. You know, I mean, this is so much stuff that's happening right now. But that's why the Apostle Paul comments on the religious Jews in verse 14 and 15 of 1 Thessalonians 2. You know, they were religious leaders, but they were also politicians and wicked politicians at that. And they were not going to let loose of their power and their stranglehold on the people to Jesus. So that's why they had Jesus killed. Now, Paul was not referring to all Jews here. Of course not. I mean, it was the faithfulness of the Jewish people is why we are here as Gentiles here today as Christians, because all the disciples were Jews. Jesus came for the Jew first and then the Gentile. And all the people that embraced Jesus, all the people that were healed by him, all the little villages, they all embraced Jesus. So the majority of the Jews were faithful and and when Jerusalem fell by the Rome, uh, by the Roman government in 70 AD, it dispersed all the Jews and what went with them? The gospel message. And so again, here we are 2,000 years later as Gentile believers. Why? Because of the faithfulness of many Jews back in that day. But imagine those, you know, small group of religious leaders that were politicians also. Man, they could stir the people into a riot and get what they wanted. And that's what they did. They moved the mob. And that's why they went from crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna on Palm Sunday to crucify him a few days later. Imagine that, being able to stir the crowd as politicians. Boy, something's never changed. But notice here, you know, they were hindering the word being proclaimed to the Gentiles. They wanted the church to be silenced. This was a complete opposite, again, of what Jesus said after the resurrection. Again, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Yes, the true church, the true believers will embrace the whole 
of the truth of God's word, not just cherry pick those things that they think are politically correct. That's why when you have progressive Christianity, I say progressive Christianity is not Christianity at all because they want to change God's word. Let me be a reminder to all out there that think that God changes with our culture and styles. No, he doesn't. What was sin 3,500 years ago is still sin today. And anyone that tells you anything other than that and starts changing God's word, you should read the last couple verses in the Bible. Just go to the last book, the last chapter, the last couple verses. And what does it say? Oh, it says, if you take anything out of this word, I will take your name out of the book of life. How about that? God's like, you're not going to heaven. Oh, and if you add words to my word, then I will add the plagues that are written in this book. And let me tell you, there's a few plagues that are written in the Bible. Yes, Jesus, he told us what truth was. And he told us where we could find it. John seventeen seventeen says, sanctify or set them apart, Jesus said, in the truth. Okay, we're to be set apart in the truth. And then he said, your word, God, is truth. We're also told in 2 Timothy three sixteen, he says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God would be adequately equipped for every good deed. See, again, that word inspired means breathed out by God or God breathed. Yes, God used the minds and vocabularies and life experiences of regular men to produce his infallible word to us. Yes, God's inspiration, though, was upon every one of those words that they wrote, even though they were flawed men, just like we are. Yes, the beauty of the word of God is this. It brings forth the truth of God. It never compromises the truth. That's why we can learn so much from the lives of those who God used, because God never candy coats anyone's life in the Bible. You ever notice that? We hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of everyone in the Bible. This way, we can learn from their victories, and we can also learn from their defeats. That's why the Bible says in Romans fifteen four it says, For whatever was written in earlier times, talking about the Old Testament here, was written for our instruction today, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. Yes, the Bible is divine truth, given to us by God for everything that we need to grow spiritually. Second Peter 1.3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. That's why we reflect on Second Timothy 3.16 and 17 that it says the word of God is profitable. What does that mean? It's to teach us what is right. He goes on to say it brings reproof. Why? To tell us what's not right. He goes on to say it brings correction to get us right. And it brings us instruction to keep us right. Yes, we must grasp onto and learn the word of God. It was David that said this in Psalm 119, 97. He says, oh, how I love your law. I think about it all day long. David said in Psalm 119, verse 10, that he found God's word to be sweeter than honey. Job even said that he treasured God's word more than his necessary food. I wonder if you've come to a place where you're reading God's word on a regular habit. I wonder if you're growing in that relationship with God. I wonder if you're walking and living and behaving in a manner 
worthy of the Lord. Well, I hope you are. And the only way it can happen is by immersing yourself in the truth of God's word. But maybe there's some that are listening right now that are distanced from God. And they're distanced for no other reason than, well, let me say, you. You, because you've allowed sin in your life. You've got some vice in your life you can't get rid of. And, you know, you've been sinning. Maybe you're living in some sin. Listen, that's causing a separation between you and God. So here, how about we do this? Let's do some business with God right now. If you're not right with God and you're not sure if your sin's forgiven, if you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven, listen, you need to pray. But listen, only you can pray. But you need to get right with the Lord. So I want to lead you in a prayer for those that want to get right with God. You want your sin forgiven? you got to ask for it, and you have to be willing to turn from that sin. So if that's you, and you want to get right with God, you pray this prayer, and God will hear you. Pray this now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me, but I believe you rose again. Come inside of me. Change my life. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. And be my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to send you a Bible and some materials to help you in growing this relationship. How much does it cost? A hundred bucks. No, just kidding. It's free because of the free will gift offerings of God's people. So I want to send it to you free. You can text me. Text me your name and address to 323-807-3255. That's 323-807-3255. And may the Lord God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA. That's Core Church LA one word to seven seven nine seven seven. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.